the premise is always to make sure that companies, individuals, the customers are protected, are safe, and to minimize fraud and any other activities that are not intended in, in that context. And therefore, I think the challenge is always between innovation, moving fast and finding new ways, and then having a balance with you know, understanding the new risks that you create with that innovation and how you can actually manage them in a reasonable way. Hello and welcome to Encrypted. We're the largest crypto and fintech podcast in the Middle East. I'm your host, Nick Watson. And this episode, we welcome Christian Kunz, head of group strategy at DIFC. This is a special episode for Ahmed and I, as we've spent so much time at DIFC in the region, especially at their fintech hive, with all the innovation programs that they've been building out over the last couple of years. In this episode, we discuss what DIFC is doing, what it was and where it is going, and how DIFC is shaping future business leaders, business models, and the regulations. Before we start, I want to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Blockfinex, a global cryptocurrency exchange where you can trade your assets in seconds. With one of the fastest matching engines in the space and high liquidity, you can trade your favorite cryptocurrencies quickly and seamlessly, and Blockfinex offers one of the most competitive trading fees compared to other leading exchanges. You can find them at blockfinex.com. Now, please don't forget to rate, review, and share us to your friends. We appreciate the support and hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Encrypted Podcast. Encrypted is the largest podcast in the Middle East focused on crypto, blockchain technology, and fintech. My name is Ahmed Bilali. I'm your host today. And with me today, virtually, is Nick. Nick, say hello. Hello, everyone. How's it going? Very good. Lots to talk about today. Tell me you, you still hold your ETH. I hold a few more than ETH. Got some Doge in there as well. <laughs> and, and Doge as well. Nice, nice, nice. Good to hear. Great. So I'm really excited for today's episode because we have Christian Kunz, who's the head of group strategy and innovation at the DIFC. Say hello, Christian. Hey, everybody. Hey, Ahmed Hainik. How's it going? Good, very well. I'm glad to be here. Excited to have this conversation with you guys. Likewise, likewise. Now, tell me, do you also hold Ethan Doge? Or... <laughs> I do. Nice. He does, actually. He was telling me before. It's true. <laughs> awesome. I'm holding Ethereum not a lot, but since probably 2017-18, I never, you know, never let go of it. Was a, a good decision. Awesome. No, that's that's great to hear. Cool. Do you want to give a quick background about yourself for those who don't know you? Yeah, happy to. My name is Christian Kunz. I'm the head of group strategy and innovation at the DFC. Before I joined the DFC one year ago, pretty much on the day when we went all on lockdown and the pandemic started. Before that, I spent seven years with McKinsey and company out of the Middle East. My background is mainly in technology and financial services. I have a master's in business administration and computer science. And the majority of my career was, was basically between tech and, and business and specifically financial services. And here at the DFC, me and my, my team are in the governor's office. So we spend around 20% of our time on topics, macroeconomic topics, topics around the DFC and the larger Dubai ecosystem, engaging with regulators, with government entities, and, and so on. 
And 80% of, of the time we're spending on actually implementing the future finance strategy for the DIFC, as well as the traditional strategy as well. And crypto, of course, is, is, is one part of that. You spend a lot of time in the Middle East as a whole. What made you pick DIFC over all the other entities or locations in the region? That's a, that's a great question. Actually, the first time I came to the Middle East was for my internship about 10 years ago, which was also with McKinsey. And at the time, McKinsey was actually in Al Musa Tower, which is on Sheikh Road. I remember I took a photo. It was just before the first financial crisis. And I took a photo which said, no matter if the world stands still, never stop to innovate. And I just took that photo. I still have it today. In the background of this photo was the DIFC. And actually, in the background was my offices, the offices of McKinsey I would work in, you know, three years later for seven years. And behind that was the gate building, which is the building I'm working in right now. So I didn't know it back then, but it was probably more destiny than anything else that I ended up in, in, in the DFC. And I'm very happy about it, not just, you know, when I was working for McKinsey and being in that unique ecosystem, but also now, obviously, in my role, I think the DFC has, has done a fantastic job in, in the last 17 years. And I can tell you a bit more about, you know, what the DFC actually is and what we're doing in, in the future finance space and in the crypto space. Yeah, I can actually vouch. He's, he's smiling as he's talking. You can see the pride and the happiness, the, the memories flooding back. <laughs> he's imagining himself being in that other building 10 years from that point. So, okay, now let's just quickly, while we're, we're on that subject, where are you going to be 10 years from now? Which building are you looking at? You're looking at this new Gate Avenue, all this amazing like startup infrastructure, I guess this leads also into what you're doing now as well. It's a great question. And I will get to the Gate Avenue and the new innovation hub. I'm actually looking, my side, I'm actually looking at the, at the Museum of the Future. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's, it's set in the right direction. You're going into the future. And I think there's a, there's a lot of exciting things that we can talk about in the innovation hub. But maybe just for the benefit of everybody, I can talk a bit about what the DFC actually is. Because for me also, it took a while until I actually understood what you know, financial free zone is when I worked in the DIFC. Previously, I knew of the ecosystem. I, I didn't really know what, what the differences are. It might be interesting for some people that, you know, are interested in coming to Dubai, potentially setting up a startup, a company, a, a fintech, and are looking at the DIFC. So mm. what's the benefits and what, what, is, it, what is it actually? I'll take a few, a few seconds to explain that. So the DIFC is the only financial free zone in Dubai. It was the first one. It was established 17 years ago. A financial free zone is different than all the other free zones in Dubai because it's actually exempt of the civil laws and regulations by the federal law. What that means is basically that we have our own legal framework based on common English law. We have our own financial regulator called the DFSA. We have our own courts. And the premise of uh, creating such a financial free zone at the time was to bring global standards into the region from a regulatory, from a legal point of view, from an infrastructure point of view, and attract international companies and regional companies that want to operate not just in Dubai and, and the UAE, but beyond, and are really keen on operating at global standards and benchmark themselves against the best in the world to be uh, attracted to come here in the region and set up. It has been extremely successful. We have today over 17 of the top 20 global banks set up here. We have over six out of the top eight wealth and asset managers. We have the majority of the top global reinsurance companies. And today we also have over 200 fintech companies and over 100 innovation companies. And that makes up around 50, more than 50% of 
the fintech in the GCC is based out of the DIFC. That journey, we started around 2017 with the DFC Fintech Hive. So our accelerator program, many of you know that. It's now in the fourth cohort or the fifth is coming this year. We accelerated over 100 fintechs in, in that program. We have a fintech, DFC Fintech Fund. We made seven investments, one of them in a crypto company called Rain, which is based out of Bahrain. Um, they're also in our ecosystem um, today with their technology teams. And then we moved now into offering new licenses to support basically fintech and innovation companies. You have the DFC Innovation License. We have a few other licenses that we subsidize for, for early stage market entry companies. And the latest thing that Nick was referring to that we set up last year is actually our DFC Innovation Hub, which we're launching now. It's basically a, a large space, a flat space. We just walked from there. It used to be just the DFC FinTech Hive and two co-working spaces. But we now, last year, created basically offices for growth companies. The insight was that a lot of the, the startups and the FinTechs had a lot of access to FlexiDesk co-working and offices up to two or four people. But when you started to, be, to grow and become successful, it was quite difficult and people had to move to you know, many places, different places, find you know, the right space. So what we did, we, we created these offices for growth companies, which are different sizes from like five people to 10 people to 100 plus people. So we have one, one company, Bezard, for example, is based there, have over 100 people. Um, it is regional companies and, and global companies, companies like Ibery, and that is based there as well. And other companies like Tabi or, or Baraka, Beehive, and, and many, many others. So the idea was to create something where we actually outfit the offices for the startups. So they don't have to spend capex on, on, on office space, but rather on an innovation in, in their business models. Uh, Rain also has an office there as well. And we're now adding event space and, and we're going to have lots of community events as well. That's sort of the newest addition and we are, we are expanding that further. And we're hoping to see more uh, companies now also with our security token regulation coming out as well as with the crypto regulation. That's a, that's a very good segue and great description. I went to the space, uh, I've been to the space a couple of times, and it's like a huge, it feels like it's one kilometer long yeah. environment where you literally are stood at the front and you can see all the way to the very end. And it is literally a line of glass offices with young dynamic energy and a very hungry, very hungry startups who are trying to, probably trying to break the rules, but doing it in a way where they work with a regulator and the environment to actually build the rules. It's not the ask for forgiveness. It's more like a combo of ask for forgiveness and get permission at the same time. Yeah, I would say that all of them obviously are, are complying with, with the rules and regulations. And I think what is nice about the ecosystem is that they are engaging with us, but also with our regulator to learn and understand how to get regulated, you know, what is possible, what's not possible. Some things are not regulated and just provide a technology platform and other things are regulated. And I think this engagement has increased a lot. We also launched yesterday something called the Innovation Panel, which is an exclusive panel that ourselves, the DFC, the DFSA and the MENA Fintech Association established and where we're, the main purpose is to further engage with the key thought leaders in the fintech space, in, in the blockchain and crypto space, as well as global thought leaders as well. So we'll have, for example, you know, the Cambridge Center for Alternative Finance, part of this group. We also have venture capital, uh, part of that group. 
blockchain, crypto, payments, and, and, and all different flavors. And we keep on changing that. But it's really about engagement. It's about the ecosystem. It's about jointly innovating and really addressing the big challenges in, in the region that we have and that technology can help solve. And I think it's also being close to actually the incumbents. And many of them are also transforming uh, customers of many of these fintechs that we have, regtechs, fintechs. And we have over 500 regulated companies in the DFC. Just to give you a scale, there's around 273 regulated financial institutions with the Central Bank of UAE. There's 313 with, with SAMA. So the scale of the DFC as a financial center is significant. And having that interaction with the top global banks and the emerging fintechs in the center is, I think, quite exciting and something that attracts a lot of the, uh, the companies to come here and actually set up their, their base in, in the DFC. But awesome. I'm interested to learn a bit more about the Innovation Hub, by the way, in just in terms of what other value add does it provide to startups, particularly in fintech, that is you know, otherwise not provided anywhere else in the region? Yeah, Yeah, I think one, it's, it's the largest fintech ecosystem. So we have now over 800 people probably working there. And, and as I mentioned, over 300 startups, 350 startups, all the way from fintech to innovation companies to you know, technology enablement companies and so on. So there's, there's, I think it's the largest ecosystem. And the second thing is a lot of the kind of subsidies and support we provide from a, from a licensing point of view and the office space point of view. But we're also working on a lot of very interesting initiatives as well. So we're working on a virtual overlay that will kind of connect the physical and the virtual world with the main objective to remove friction and enable growth, meaning that we, we talk to a lot of those startups and they spend around 50% of their time and money on, on just solving things to do their business. Mm. And they're not really able to spend that time on innovating and creating really exciting businesses. We want my vision and my mission is to actually give those companies more and more of these time and money back to invest in their, in their company and to grow faster and, and to succeed. And that can be forms of, you know, making introductions, can be forms of actually packages instead of, you know, you having to go out and, and find all of the different services that you need. That can be a different types of launch pads and other clinics and mentorship that we're looking at. A lot of this we're doing already. We're trying to do that now at scale and augmented. The other thing is our innovation hub also has an event space, a big event space. There's going to be a, a big setup with a big screen and a hybrid setup. And we are encouraging the community to actually run events in the space. So we want the community to drive a lot of what's going on in that space. We're facilitating. We're also going to have events ourselves. But we want the community to be in the center of attention. And we'll have an innovation month coming up in May, so May 26th for one month. We will have daily events from, you know, things like legal questions with law firms, pitch days, community events to anchor events on, on different topics like digital assets, as well as general uh, awareness sessions and, and sessions about kind of the, the innovation ecosystem. So we, the focus really is on unlocking synergies between the different companies, uh, providing services and support that makes you scale faster and be more successful. And then addressing the structural issues. So some of them are, you know, regulatory innovations and new regulations that we're working on, new laws. We're the only jurisdiction with GDPR-compliant data protection laws that we enacted last year. And we're in the process of being recognized by the UK of adequacy of these laws. So we actually, you know, data exchange between UK, EU, and BFC will be compliant with GDPR. 
which is a big thing, especially in the, into the world that we're going now. There's things like we're working on um, venture debt, which is an important sector that is not unlocked yet. It's something that we are seeing, in, obviously, in globally in mature markets. And that's something that is very close to our heart. And we introduced a new VC framework last year, which is very much aligned with what you see in Singapore and subsidizing a lot of the VCs as well to enter the market to address you know, the different stages. Um, and lastly, there's also a DFC participates in the Future District Fund, which is a new fund that we're setting up with the Dubai Future Foundation. So lots of different things are happening. And I think the Innovation Hub is sort of the physical place where it happens. And then we have sort of different virtual and other types of events that complement that as well. Before we move on, here's a quick word from our sponsor, Blockfinex. Blockfinex is a global cryptocurrency exchange where you could trade your cryptocurrencies in lightning fast speed. With Blockfinex, you trade with low fees compared to other exchanges. With one of the fastest matching engines in the space with massive market leading liquidity, so you can quickly and easily trade your favorite coins in seconds. Now, they just launched, so do go and check out their site for exclusive offers. You can find them at blockfinex.com. You mentioned two things that are quite interesting. The VC debt, that is an alternative for a lot of startups to achieve their growth without giving away equity. And then you mentioned virtual and physical rules and regulations. So I'm, I'm assuming this is bunching into security rules around crypto and tokenization, etc. Could you jump on the crypto part first? I think that's what everybody's very interested in. Yeah, you guys will be uh, most interested in crypto. That's why we kept it for the last. Um, <laughs> basically, I think we see very, very good development in the region on, on crypto. Um, and I think the DFC has this as one of its priorities as well. The DFSA has announced that they will put out the crypto consultation paper uh, end of June, early July. They already have put out the security token consultation paper. And I think the consultation is over, which means we're expecting those rules to come in effect in the next two months or so. And we also saw the announcement in the media of actually listing, a dual listing of one of the funds that is actually set up, a Bitcoin fund set up in Canada, uh, dual listed on, on, uh, on Nasdaq Dubai. So there's different flavors of crypto. There's the crypto side of you know, funds being listed. There's the crypto side of funds investing in crypto. And then there's a crypto business models and exchanges. And, and, and then all of these things will be addressed with the new regulation. What I like about DFSA regulations is that it's usually comprehensive. It looks at the problem comprehensively and tackles the tough issues. Things like, you know, there's a lot of questions, obviously, on, on legal considerations of tokens. And there's uh, considerations around digital token or digital asset custody. And there's a lot of these questions that hopefully uh, we will properly address in, with these rules. I think that's something we've done with the money services previously last year. But it's something that I think everybody should be looking forward to because, one, we've seen a lot of development globally and in the region, and we are implementing the feedback that we've seen so far in our regs. And two, it'll be comprehensive. So it'll be comprehensive for crypto and for digital securities as well. So I'm, I'm very excited. We will start issuing step-by-step -step more information, so ourselves and the BFSA. And we're going to have also more sessions also during the Innovation Month. And anybody who's interested please feel free to reach out. We're happy to engage with you and understand what you're trying to do and keep you in the loop as soon as those consultation papers are out or the regulations is in effect. I think what we're going to do is we're going to agree in this episode the day those rules come out, 
we have a podcast recording within 24 hours <laughs> and we issue it within 24 hours. So there's a service level agreement from our side that we will record those rules from you and whoever you want to bring in so everybody in the world can know about it for the millions of followers that we have on our podcast. It's a deal. So, uh, so appreciate uh, that somebody who wrote the rules, hopefully, in, into that. <laughs> Perfect. Sounds great. Go on, Ahmed. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. I, I mean, a quick question on that front. I mean, what I'd like to know a bit more, really, is when it comes to crypto, right? Like, in what facets are you guys thinking about it, right? Is it mostly on the security side? Are you guys seeing crypto from a public blockchain viewpoint? You also mentioned sort of tokenized venture funds as well. What is the weight between those sort of, let's say, different elements? Or is it, are you guys looking at them all fairly equally? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a complex topic. That's why actually the DFSA is it broken into two. At the moment we have the, the, what we call security token consultation out, which is the rules that will look on, you know, how to basically digitize and use DLT and uh, other technologies in the context of securities. And that's something that's already out there. And you can access it on the website of the DFSA in their section on, on the rules and the consultation papers. I think then anything around utility tokens, payments tokens, stable coins, and other non-fungible tokens, all of this will be in the next consultation paper, which will be end of June and early July. Okay. And then people who want to get involved in the consultation yeah. for that in June, what is going to be the process and how much time do they have? And how much, yeah. let's be realistic. How much impact will they have? Yeah, it's a public consultation. So all of our new rules are public consultation. Um, so you can see them on the on the website. And happy we're going to have that conversation again and make sure we'll send it out to, to everybody. And then you can submit your feedback to the DFSA. There's an email or a form that you can just share. Typically, the consultation is 30 days. Sometimes it's it's longer, but typically it's a, it's around 30 days. And typically, the regulator takes it quite quite seriously. Often, obviously, they already engaged with a lot of the ecosystem beforehand. But in most of the regulations I've seen, there was at least a few of the, of the feedback from the consultation that was, uh, was incorporated. Sometimes they actually put out certain assumptions to test if somebody will say anything about it. So sometimes it's a bit of probing if the market would go one or the other way or if they would just be comfortable. And, on, and they put some, you know, some things on purpose in there that might not be the hypothesis, but just to see if anybody... You do reaction-based... Uh... Yeah. Okay. okay. So that's why it's worth reading it through. It's, it's definitely worth then also looking at what comes out, but it's a lot of the regulations are based on also, you know, what, what the market wants and needs. And at the same time, it needs to consider, obviously, the risks. It's a risk-based framework, and it's about being proportionate to the risks and protecting the country and, and, and consumers, obviously with those risks, especially in fast-moving new technologies where things are changing very, very quickly. What was the most innovative thing you think that came out of the consultation paper that just came out or closed? So I don't have visibility on the, on the feedback. Okay. So that is with the, with the regulator directly. Some of the companies that shared feedback do share it with us as well. I think overall we got positive feedback, but it's usually some nuances. I can tell you on the VC framework, for example, it was around, for example, how much percentage and how many years can you invest in, in companies, meaning like how much of the, the funds can you invest in companies that are venture-backed or not older than eight or 10 years. So some of these metrics, for example, you know, sometimes there's a few exemptions uh, that people experience and then they will share, okay, 
but it shouldn't be five years, it should be eight years or ten years, and, and then, then we'll, we'll look at if that makes sense or not. But these are usually, it's usually fine-tuning, at least in our case. It's usually fine-tuning, making sure is there, you know, what's the sentiment? Is it, is it positive? Are there some really big things? Another thing on, on, venture cap, uh, on the venture capital framework was actually allowing tokenization. Okay. So our new VC framework from last year already allowed tokenization of the funds. Okay. And they reflected that proactively in that regulation, which was a feedback from the market. Okay. One thing that we've talked about in the past is instant SPV. And everything that comes with it, like, is there going to be a point where I'm going to just be able to send a request, an API request to some entity at DIC and an SPV will be spun up with all the rules and regs that go with it and the licensing? So we, we call it actually SPVs here in, in the DFC prescribed companies, just for, for everybody to know if they hear prescribed companies. We used to call SPVs and SPCs, so SPVs, special purpose vehicles and special purpose companies. Yeah. So it's quite an interesting regime that we have here. We're working on actually with different stakeholders to digitize that more and more. Um, so I think the API model will come sooner or later. What that will enable and, you know, is that through us or through partners mm-hmm. that actually do that as a, as a living? We will see, but I think it's not something that is uh, crazy and far away. So this is really interesting. I love the fact that, you know, there's quite some focus on actual sort of this form of security tokens because it, it was a thing back a year and a half ago, two years ago, but then kind of it kind of slowed down and that's mainly because of regulation. And I think that was expected. Yeah, I think it's great to, to see that development happening from from the IC standpoint. But what I'm interested in is in understanding a bit more, you know, how you guys think about open permissionless systems, decentralized finance, and all of these things that that are happening. So I I work daily within the DeFi and NFT space, you know, given my my background in in bioeconomy. And and it feels like I'm living in a sort of a parallel world where everything is just so easy and seamless in the sense of like sending funds, receiving funds, investing in. So I'm I'm just really interested in understanding like how, you know, if we're to take, for example, just Ethereum as a public blockchain how would this fit into sort of a consultation or future regulations? How would DeFi as well also fit into this? Or is this something that's too complex that it's not something that the regulator wants to entertain? So the way typically regulators look at this is, is not necessarily on one specific token or you know, protocol or, or, or concept. They're trying to create a framework that manages risks, which optimally is somewhat future-proof and covers a wide range of use cases. And therefore, okay. you don't have to recreate the regulations all the time. And I think that's a bit, it's, sometimes that's obviously a challenge as well. The idea of those regulations, obviously, is to, to enable these new technologies. And there's also common technology principles and standards that will come out soon, not just from our regulator, but joint effort across regulators to help companies understand what sort of the expectations and what is the, the risk that you know, regulators and, and we see and how can that risk or how should that risk be managed? Because at the end of the day, it's all about ensuring that the, the customers and the consumers are protected. There's, you know, AML and fraud and other things are under control. They are mitigated and the financial system is, is stable and, and mm-hmm. secure. I think there is definitely a very positive view towards these new enabling technologies. As you said, they're quite fast-moving and complex. That's why it takes time also for the regulator to actually 
understand and go into the details of how they work and what are the risks. In many cases, you'll see some of those risks are, you know, in, if you look at the new models, you only will realize as you're going through it. And I think it's not easy for, for regulators to catch up with, with a lot of these very fast-moving trends. The premise is always to make sure that companies, individuals, the customers are protected, are safe, and to minimize fraud and any other you know, activities that are not intended in, in that context. And therefore, I think the challenge is always between innovation, moving fast and finding mm -hmm. new ways, And then having a balance with, you know, understanding the new risks that you create with that innovation and how you can actually manage them in a reasonable way. And I think that the only way to do that successfully is through engagement. And that's, I think, what we're trying to do with the Innovation Panel. That's what our regulator does a lot. And trying to engage with, you know, yourself, many other stakeholders, global thought leaders in this. I mean, there's on crypto, there's other topics which are emerging globally, for example the impact of crypto on the consumption of electricity and on climate mm -hmm. change. So there's, there's lots of different topics to look at and many things that are, might not be intended but are happening and, and it's often the job of the government, of the, of the regulators to, to keep an eye on that and keep everybody kind of honest on how do we do that in the right way. You mentioned Innovation Panel. Akbar, did you get your invite yet? Because I didn't receive mine. No, I think, I think it's in the post. Yeah, post. okay. That's why I thought too, because we were talking about it earlier. We're, 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 you know, you have the two biggest blockchain and crypto guys in the region. So, you know, obviously, we're, we're a perfect example. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. So I don't know if you know the uh, you know, Emirates IO. We, we, we probably drive a similar approach to invitations. But when, when you get it, we will we'll be very excited to have you on board. Uh, but yeah, we have the innovation panel, but we also will obviously engage the larger com community on that as well. And I think we're also merging that over time, but it's quite an exclusive and, and small circle at the moment. And I think one of the things that we want to do is really get the, the companies on board with really big achievements. It's also a bit of an encouragement of hopefully seeing more of the fintechs of the crypto companies really innovating and achieving big success and joining the club. Yeah. I want to put you on the spot very quickly. Knowing all the rules that are in place today, And knowing what's coming down the line in the next two months, build the most exciting company that could actually be created right now, or let's say in two months from now, knowing what's coming down, what is the most exciting blockchain, crypto, fintech that could be built today that would be a viable business? Yeah, you do put me on the spot because it's a very uh, tough question because there's so, so many things. But what we, what we did do is we... I did a partnership with the Center for Force Industrial Revolution, which is itself a partnership with the World Economic Forum. It's based out of the, of the Dubai Future Foundation. So them, the DFSA and ourselves, we are running some pilot programs on digital assets. And that includes SME lending, so uh, tokenization around lending in the context of SME. There's real estate tokenization. There's venture capital fund tokenization. And there's private secondary markets and potentially other things. So these are just a few models that I think, you know, a lot of excitement will be there around those, especially kind of secondary private markets. I think venture capital funds, other funds, uh, securitizing, tokenizing, mm. and creating private and public exchanges in that context. And then obviously as crypto opens up, yeah. there are models also. I think one model that you've seen is actually the, the lending against crypto. Yeah. We do have some constraints, but that is, as far as I know, is, is one of the very exciting, innovative models 
that would probably be impossible for me. Could somebody right now issue a smart contract on Ethereum, let's say a DAO, that operates itself, have a local fiat onboarding ramp, digitize the fiat, USDT or any other form, and send those funds to that DAO, but I guarantee the risk and the assets. And the DAO is basically managing the money, where it's deploying into DeFi or whatever it is. Is that possible? I'm not sure. Okay. It's a good question. We'll come back to this in two months and we'll, we'll check to see <laughs> if the answer is sure. still there. Uh, usually, if you sent me the, the floor. Yeah, I'll take you an answer. <laughs> Perfect. Anybody who's listening to the podcast, please send us a. Some of uh, all your flows. That's an example of a flow of how you would like to launch it. That's an example of the, the most exciting businesses you want to launch. And Nick is promising that he's not going to copy them. I'm trying to launch them himself. <laughs> uh, I think we're running out of time right now, but thank you very much for joining us for this episode. There is a lot more we can get into, and I think what we'll, we'll do is we'll, we'll have a deep dive conversation once the regulations are updated. Was it two months from now? The, the two months we get the final on securities. And we get consultation paper at the same time for the yes, next round. That's, that's the, the timelines that we're working against. Okay. And then I think normally Ahmed finishes with a, a question, right, Ahmed? In terms, in terms of, of do, personal yes. interests. So if Ethereum and Bitcoin are falling off a cliff, which one would you say and why? I would say Ethereum because it was the first one I invested in and it's the one I'm holding most of. <laughs> okay. Okay. And then I got another one for you. If it was Ethereum and Doge, that's the what do you think? Yeah, that's like, the top I, I'm not sure why you, four weeks ago it would have been an easy answer. <laughs> that's like passion against, you know, Logic. for investment <laughs> theory. I think still like my, my passion lies with Ethereum, but yeah, definitely a fan of Doge. You know how it, how it just changes uh, perspective in yeah. many ways. I think it, has, it doesn't have a bigger market cap than Coinbase now. Wow. I thought I saw that online. I, I'm not sure. I need to double check in. I don't, I don't particularly want to look like a clown, but I'm pretty sure its market cap is getting pretty large. So, Can I ask one last question? Yeah, sure. What's the next coin that's going to... Uh, go space to the coin. Moon? I think that's one you want, right? <laughs> he's, he's a big, avid fan of space-based projects. So anybody who is a, a huge space lover and wants to build uh, amazing businesses in space, Chris... You Reach out to me. To I think the, to, yeah. Dubai is definitely the place to be for space tech nowadays as well. Yeah. But yeah, big passion. <laughs> And hopefully, you know, this will be one of the payment methods in space. Yeah. Soon. Awesome. Well, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah. I didn't know that was your side project, Christian. That's awesome. It's, yeah, it's, it's consuming his sleep. Yeah, l l let me know how I can invest. Just, just take my dose. No I will send he's, the... He's going to issue a token address. as soon as it's available. <laughs> he's going to issue a space, <laughs> space coin. Absolutely. Great. Well, thank you very much for joining and uh, we'll guys. be back in contact. If anybody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Just to find me on LinkedIn. Add me if you have a good proposition or if you have any questions, I'll definitely happy to help out. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thanks guys. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye.